I'm Ian Dark, and you're listening to Men in Blazers, sub-optimal radio on the Grantland Network. Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! From Bob Lee's panic room in the crap part of ESPN's massive studio complex, Rog, in the crap part of her name is Rio, in the crap part, crap end really, of Copacabana Beach, which yeah. I believe is the crap beach in Rio. <laughs> We're the men in blazers. It's Here's a Copa das Copas! Ah, oh, it's a Copa das Copas special. It is, David. Yeah. We should, before we begin, mm-hmm. this is 24 hours after the debacle. We haven't left this room. In Manaus. Yeah. We're recording this with ties around heads. Yeah. Shirt sleeves ripped off. Uh-huh. Rent torn. Yesterday's underwear. On each other's heads. Each other's yeah. undies. Yeah. We're in a lot of pain. We know a lot of you from your tweets, from your emails, from your ravens, from your toucans are in. Yeah. A lot of confused pain. Yeah. And we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But I just say, up front, we love football, Davo and I, don't we? Yeah, as I said yesterday, I love football more than I love love. Yep. I don't. <laughs> but You love love more than football. I do, I love love more than yeah. football. But they're right, they're right neck and neck. They're right up there, it's close. <laughs> <laughs> but we like football. I'll put it in the eye. I like football. Yeah. But I'll speak for both of us. We like football because it enables us to feel feelings you're meant to feel in real life. But that we're long numb to, right? Grief is the price you pay for love, Rog. Yeah, love, hope, confidence, world domination, searing pain, unconsciousness, near death, love again, despair, self-hatred, in need of a good dry cleaner. We felt them all last night, Davey. Yeah, yeah, and still feeling them today. Are we Rog. alive? We are alive. And at we a certain live. point, it feels like we were dreaming last night. But I still go back to this. Go on. At 1-0 down, when we got that equaliser, if you'd have said to me, will you take 1-1, I wrap it up. would have taken 1-1. I would have taken it. Don't need a I gift have, card. In the way you know when people gift score a goal and they run with the ball back to the halfway line, I would have run out of the stadium. I would have just run back to my hotel and sat there clenching the ball, well, not it. letting it I'll out. I'll top it. I yeah. mean, we've done, we, we'll talk about this, but if I had said to you December the 6th, I wrote a piece for ESPN. FC, yeah. Fight Club, yeah. ESPN Fight Club. I said, this is how it's going to go. Yeah, you the US predicted the entire will win world cup, every result. I said they'll, win, they'll beat Ghana, they'll you tie Portugal. You did. And I said they will probably, possibly lose to Germany, but will still get through with four points. It doesn't matter whether I'm right or wrong. What you mattered was, at the time, I got absolutely derided yeah. for being so optimistic and yeah. deluded. yeah. And it's turned out to be right. And if we had said to you, after two games, would you like the US to be undefeated, sitting on four points in this Group G, yeah. in the Valley of the Shadow of the Group of Death, yeah. America, you would have said? We'll take it in the face. We love it in the face. So that's what our position is. Yeah. We will we, we will analyse, we will autopsy, we will celebrate, we will slap ourselves, we will absolutely go piece by piece, detail by detail, comb over by comb over of the referee uh, in a minute. But first, Davo, we're not just in Brazil. No, we're in we're in 
We're in one of the most powerful nations in the world, Rog. We are. We realised that the other yeah. day. We're in FIFA land. FIFA land. Yeah. FIFA land where, I mean, first of all, we should say, not that we're suggesting for a second that FIFA fixed the World Cup. No. Because they're transparent. We'd know if they had but transparency. the writers who are writing this World Cup, George back R. in Burn and Gestard and Geneva and Zurich, yeah. I mean... What a job. FIFA's writers. No one Amazing. is missing the Game of Thrones this weekend. No one. Amazing World Cup that they've put on. Yep. We love their anthem, Rog. It's like a cross between Mozart, Kenny G and a Clint Dempsey track. We went to a game. We escaped. We prized open the panic room. We went to watch Belgium play Russia. It was mildly traumatising to be sat in a stadium with... Probably about 12,000 Cossacks in the blazing sun. Yeah, it was so hot. Carolina Padron was behind us, Rod, yep. the row behind us. There were their ESPN colleagues. Rod, Roger's, Roger's not sat down and done nothing for 10 days, and I sat down at and you fell asleep. One. I did. I fell asleep. The first World Cup game of 2014. I sat down. 20 minute nap stadium, during the first half. Huge noise. Yeah. I was so bone tired from everything we've been doing yeah. down the mine shaft here. Yeah. That I just passed out with my little head on Davo's shoulder. <laughs> yeah. I got a funny sunburn on sweet. half my face. Go on. <laughs> it was quite sweet. Um, yeah, it wasn't the greatest game of football, but it ended at the end. And this is sort of something we'll talk about later. In one moment at the end of that game, the best player on the field, Eden Hazard, for me, the most, certainly the most dangerous player on the field, Eden Hazard. There were lots of good footballers out there. Your archetypal, big bottom, small. Archetypal. Eden Hazard... Did what? He does that move. We've seen him do it for Chelsea, where he takes the man outside on the left wing, but he takes them out on the right foot. It's because he has such an amazing change of pace, such an amazing first step, Rog. And it was just that one move, cuts it back, goal. And it was just a moment of class from a superstar. And that's something which we are seeing, not from every superstar. Rain, really. But we are seeing these moments of class. Although, by the way, England's goals have basically come from Wayne Rooney. Um superstars having these individual moments in this World Cup. That's what makes the difference, ultimately. But you uh, enjoyed the going to the match for a completely different reason, David. Oh, Rog, I love the Brazilian police. And they seem to have different forms of police officers. You've got your regular police officers, and they look really good in their uniforms, their little blue and white cars. But they're riot police, and they're military police. Who are everywhere. Everywhere. They have the coolest uniforms. And I'm talking like when they really get RoboCop right, when it comes back again in 20 years in the future, this is what the police will look like in RoboCop. They look amazing. Black uniforms. The guns look so Matt good. Matte black. Matte black. Knee pads, shoulder pads, elbow pads. You found out the only place that they're not protected, Rog, right? Uh, that is just above the crotch. There's yeah. like a there's a four inches of protection. Yeah, we've been searching for the one the weak point. So if you do have to get in a tussle with one, yeah, do whatever you need to do in that area. I will say they are absolutely menacing, and it's quite oh. terrifying. There's thousands of these people everywhere, everywhere you go, everywhere. everywhere you go, literally, and they don't look like they're just there to kind of help old women get cats out of trees or anything no, like that. No, they are there to kill, if necessary, members of their own family. They are amazing, Rog. And they're vehicles. They're vehicles. Every single vehicle. Their motorbikes are like cross-country motocross bikes. Everything. Matte, 
black these are, that these, people these carry guys, these that guys, sports these cars, guys are the only guys in wagons. Brazil who look really disappointed that Brazil has not kicked off into social unrest everything yet. here is a little bit third worldish it's a little bit crap but i got to tell you their police are the best outfitted best vehicled most terrifying most terrifying policemen i've ever seen they're only outdone rog by the armed forces we've got the army right here All over next to us and the army uniforms are also amazing. Just look up some of those pictures. They're really good. The birds, Roger. <laughs> this is where Roger's really bored with what I've got to say. No, but no, the no. Birds. Not, We've talked about the pigeons. Fetishizing like, the military. John. Yeah, I'm fond of the military, though. Okay. They, in this country, they need... They needed to put their police out on the streets. They needed to have their military out there. They need it, Rog. The birds. It could all kick off. The birds have very small heads. Mm -hmm. The other thing, Rog, is we see birds... Rog and I are both a bit twitchy. We both love a bird. We, we love, love a bit of ornithology. ornithology. Have you noticed how high the birds fly in the sky? Showing off. Uh, but above the sea, surely they should be looking for fish. They fly, I mean, almost in the jet stream so high up in the sky. I don't know. I've never seen that in my life anywhere in the world. But my favourite thing so far in Brazil, my very, very favourite thing, is the way that Rog speaks to the Brazilian people. Speak Hebrew to them. Who You do speak a bit of Hebrew. But Rog, very few people here speak English. Yeah. Rog speaks one word of Portuguese, which is obrigado. But it's always followed by and two things. Congratulations. Oh, you know, I've never heard you say I that say to anybody. To everybody. No, I've never heard you say With that to anybody up. down Parabens. here. No, but what you say, Rog, is to the Portuguese. guy, to the waiter last night at the restaurant. You're yeah. like, obrigado, mate. Rock on. <laughs> I mean, how confusing for this poor guy goes home and you've said, obrigado, mate. Rock on. And he's like, he's got to go home and he thinks, this guy keeps on saying, obrigado, mate, rock on. He's got to look up mate. Yeah. He's got to understand that. Yeah. And then rock on. Of all things to say to a local, yeah. obrigado, mate, rock on. Obrigado, I love it. thank you, mate, friendship. <laughs> rock on. Validation, reinforcement. I love it. For the obrigado, mate, us. rock on. At Shirley's, the greatest restaurant in Rio. Oh, which Shirley's is the excellent. The wood panelling, the state It's the so fish. slow. It takes four and a half hours to get your starters, but it's excellent. It's worth it waiting for. Unbelievable. I do. I, by the way, the Hebrew I speak to, yeah. the Brazilians, which they also don't understand, yeah. I just don't want to be that person that shouts in English to them. I'm just going to eat a bit. Oh, we forgot to open our Guinness, Rod. Yeah. Come on. Well, we're going to get to that now, because we're going to get to the football part, okay, David. Crack it open. So oh, I'm going to wash this down with a bit of Uruguayan cupcake. Guinness. Oh. Oh. Dave, oh. USA, oh. USA, USA. I'll, oh, I'll be candid. So I, I, I'll describe my feelings to you. You're in a terrible mood still. I'm in a terrible mood. Do you know why? Yeah. I haven't. That's a nice news. But I feel like I've been bit by a walking Brazilian spider. <laughs> so got, you haven't, right? I haven't. I haven't. You I haven't been bit no, by the... But I feel like... We did see a spider haven't, in the yeah, middle of our mini bananas today. We saw it. I killed it quickly. Um, I did think about getting bit by it, but I, did, I haven't. But I feel like I have because it was thrilling, David. There was that thrill of being bit by a Brazilian walking spider. Yeah. But then there's With also none of the and, but benefits. then it ends in death. I mean, I've said a number of times. Last night, the end, the denouement of the game in Manaus. Yeah. Was the closest you listeners will probably ever come to feeling English. I've never seen a game end with the vendor punked. The game ended with the vendor punked, Rod. Yeah. That is the definition, that goal of not scoring too early. That is the least too early goal I've ever seen scored. 
Whose Here's, fault was it, Rog? This is the question that America seems to be asking today. Whose fault was the goal? It's amazing. I've never seen anything like this on a game. An, an actual... It's almost a criminal, at least a civil Qu- investigation. Did you, did you not watch Quincy? Quincy. Americans have brought up on that show. They love it's forensic It's a whose fault that goal was. Here's what I'll say. I don't know, but every single time, every single time I see this goal, and I've seen it maybe 180 times today because it's perpetually on a loop on one of the ESPN screens, when Yedlin's got the ball in the corner, yeah. it's still defies logic to me with that the clock ticks down it's 94 minutes i think at that point i still can't believe every time i see it again i still can't believe they're going to manage to get that ball get the throwing in and get it all the way down the field and score i still believe David, you and i should go to a stadium we should go to a stadium and yeah. we should do a throw in with less than a minute down at that end and see if unopposed <laughs> you and i could run the ball up the field and get it in the net within a minute i can tell you now what the outcome is but the good news for do you want to answer the question whose fault is it? Yeah. I mean, to me, if you want fault, mm-hmm. I'd say a very tired, Manaus legged back line that had run and run and run and run and run. You look at their positioning, and probably they will not like their positioning when they look at that thing. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of a suggestion tonight on TV. Lalas was sort of suggesting that Klinsman was the one who was telling them, push up, push up, push up, push up, push up. And the entire team was in the other team's half at that part of the game. But they were pressing. They were trying to keep the ball down there. They didn't want it back in their end. They lost the ball in midfield. Five defenders, two attackers. Here's my thing, Rog. And this is the only... All we have to say about that US performance is positive. You know, the result, the um, performance... And we're going to go player by player, Rog, and we're going to talk about those performances through that team. The only negative that I would put out there about the USC, and my only concern is this is a team who looked great going forward. They've never looked better to me, ever, ever, ever going forward. But defending all three of the goals that they've conceded at this World Cup, frankly, have come from defensive mistakes. The first Ghana goal was very good. Yes, the delivery... Last night for that goal was superb, um, but the other three, the other goals, Rog, certainly the camera one, they've come from defensive mistakes and quite major defensive mistakes. Yeah, I mean, just... there, was, there was there was a thing called clown defending, and it happened twice yesterday. I mean, yep. we'll break the game down. I want a complete kind of the the notion of why are we hurting so badly, Davo? If we are right that there's so much to feel positive about after playing Portugal, fourth in the world, Cristiano Ronaldo. I think five players on that team were Champions League footballers this season. Uh-huh. Some terrific skill. Moutinho, coveted, Feloso, talented gentleman. Um, but still this morning we ache. And I can only think, I mean, we had a number of you people, uh, beautiful, beautiful, I'll say, Ravens have come, a huge number of emails talking about the way you're feeling. And a number of them ended in a similar idiom that, wow, what an amazing thing it is to play Portugal and to have this feeling of disappointment that we deserve to win and should have won. And I hope it's one that we have the privilege as American soccer fans of getting used to. But I'd say also that as a football fan, the emotional and the rational, they do, they run on parallel lines. And there's the emotional about this game, and I think we should talk about it. The emotional is, had they won, Davo, yeah. had they won, got six points, got out of Group G, the group of death, two games, two wins, business done, they are out. To me, Davo, 
And a lot of people have changed their tune as this World Cup has gone on. A lot of people were very negative about Jurgen, very negative about the team selection, very negative about the 30, the 23, the leaving off of London, the, the team selection, the, the, the core, the way the thing was being run. Changed very quickly and got behind this team. But to me, this team lost an opportunity to do something on par as footballers that would have placed a U.S. soccer team in the kind of pantheon of the sporting American greats, David. You know, that miracle of uh, on ice, the, the Joe Montana to Dwight Clark, the walk-off kind of Joe Carter home run, that emotional crescendo to come back against Portugal and to tie the game up on a spectacular goal, to go ahead with the, the kind of crotched Dempsey spectacular um, and then to see off Portugal with Cristiano Ronaldo toiling against the great US backline, that would have been that would have been a superhuman American sporting moment for me, Davo. And that, and that's the pain. That's the pain that we now have to go again and we'll talk about Germany, we'll talk about Recife. But it's that we were denied the opportunity to for a soccer moment to become an American sporting great moment. Yeah, I do I see what you're saying, and I do I broadly agree with you, but I also think that in the long term, I think that that, and I actually think in the, in the long term, I don't think it matters because I think where soccer is going in America and I think when, where this team are going. And I also think that in the short and midterm, the U.S. will have much greater victories than what that would have been against a very average Portuguese side. Yes, it was the group of death. Yes, all of those kind of things. But it was an average Portuguese side. So it might have changed the way people in America feel about it. But I think America's already been changed. It probably, and certainly the U.S. have caught the attention of the rest of the world. There is more respect. You read it in the international newspapers already. But I don't think it would have really changed the way people feel about this team. I think the reality in football, or soccer, is that... You don't win all of your games. The U.S. are so good at sport, Rog. You know, we watch the Olympics. They win and they win and they win and they win and they win. The U.S. haven't had that many crushing defeats. Yes, there was the famous time when we lost the Olympic gold medal to the Russians. There was the, in basketball, there have been, you know, other moments where individual athletes didn't show up. But like losing and the World Baseball Series Challenge, whatever they call that, <laughs> where we send a team to go and play single elimination baseball against the rest of Central America. That doesn't, seem to, that doesn't seem to, to really resonate. You are going to get your heart broken playing international soccer. You just are. And not only if you're English. You're going to get it if you're anyone. You're going to get your heart broken. And you better get used to it because that's part of loving the game. That's part of playing the game. I still think that I would take... I know everybody was so excited about that first U.S. game with the 2-1 win over Ghana with a performance that was, that was where, frankly, they did not deserve to necessarily win that game. I'm not sure they deserve to lose it, but they certainly didn't deserve, I would say, to win it. But they put the ball in the net more times than their opponent. They didn't concede. Last night, I think that that draw was certainly a game that you felt that they deserved to win. Oh, the last kick of the game, the head of the game is the thing that goes in. I don't think it changes the massive, massive positives that come out of that game, which announces we're a nation who can play a certain American style of soccer, we're a nation who cares about it, who watches this game in record numbers. And I know people, the soccer naysayers will say, more people watched the Women's World Cup final in 1999, but they didn't. It might have done a bigger rating, but they didn't. Because there is no credit for the people who watched in bars, in parks, at parties, in college dorms, everywhere else that this game was watched. This was the most watched soccer match in America. And it was watched with a passion. Those pictures from Grand Park, Kansas City, they were just amazing, Rog. 
the 20 uh, the whole, odd the thousand. The whole country looked like Portland on game day. And the crowd in the stadium. That probably the biggest thing for me is what has happened in American soccer. This crowd, record numbers. What, 150,000 Americans have bought tickets to the World Cup. 20,000 plus Americans were in that stadium. They sang their hearts out. They lived. They died by every moment. This game is changed forever in America. And that great victory, that that huge moment, Rog, is going to come. And it's going to be even better than what it would have been had they held on to win that game 2-1. Well, you talk about the craziness of football. And I think it's true. In the first half, we played better. We played more confidently. We played more aggressively, inventively than we ever did against Ghana. Yep. We were 1-0 down. Ronaldo, God, Ronaldo, he was so poor. He looked like he'd taken a photo of Mike the situation to his barber. <laughs> and, and, and oddly enough, that haircut was the best thing about him until the very end. But They are saying that it was a tribute to a child who was sick, but I'm not sure that that was true. Is that what they're saying after the fact? They're saying after the fact that that haircut was a tribute to a 10-month-old kid who had brain surgery and... It's in the same shape as the scar, but there's also some doubt as to the veracity of that. Well, the, if that is true, then that's true. But like I say, the haircut was the best bit of his play. Uh, Beckerman and Bezler, magic. World Cup of MLS. Love this stat. The FIFA stats say average speed of Kyle Beckerman outstripped that of Ronaldo for the entire game. Um, but they went into that locker room 1-0 down. We yeah. joked at halftime together. Jürgen banging their chair against the floor saying, what? Over? Did you say Over? Nothing's over till we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no. <laughs> I had a lot of you either laughing at that or telling us, well, the Germans didn't bomb Pearl Harbor. Yeah, many, many people failed to identify the location of the humour within but, that tweet. Well, one, one person did, and that was Jermaine Jones, because he came on that pitch with a CONCACAF thunder. Yeah. And I loved it. Again, Jurgen vilified for his relationship with Jermaine Jones, who's been laughed at. Um, you know, what does he do on the field? Why does Jürgen see so much in him? He's a Klinsman favourite. In a big game, in a big moment, he stepped up and scored one of the best United States World Cup goals we've I, ever seen. I think it was, you know, as you know, I have a horrible, horrible memory. I have the memory of a poodle. Uh, I believe that that, and I've seen a lot of US games live and um We've not seen TV. the 1930 World Cup. Not seen the 1930 World Cup. super heavy, super heavy. But I've certainly seen every World Cup game since 1994 and been at many of them. I would say that that's the best U.S. World Cup goal I've ever seen. And, and then I'd say, you know, about the style of football that you hit upon, that, that's what's so thrilling to me. Because after the Ghana win, Alexi talked a lot about American soccer, that this was a very American victory. I've got to be honest. That wasn't way, as American as last night. The way, I, the, the way they played against Portugal is what I hope American soccer means. Yeah. I hope they've rewritten. It's a very nostalgic definition, the, mm-hmm. the kind of collective grunting, scoring off set plays, holding on. I admire that, and I know how important that football has been to this country post-1990. Critical, yeah. critical. But what they played last night was bold, inventive, optimistic, confident football. You know, I, I love Kenny Powers. I love when he says I've been called a xenophobe, but the truth is I'm not. I honestly just feel America's the best country. The other countries aren't as good. That used to be called patriotism. That was the kind of football that Kenny Powers would have appreciated, Dave. It was that good. I think it was better than that. I think Kenny <laughs> Powers would have been quite happy with the 2-1 victory on the first night. Um, yeah, no, it was phenomenal football, and it was from all over the pitch. You mentioned Jermaine Jones. I mean, that was... 
I think we've said for a long time, who is the emergence of a new star? And I think Jermaine Jones is honestly the emergence of a new star. In both I think games. That's a, and in the warm-up games as well, I think we saw Jermaine Jones being very, very good as well. This is the emergence of a new player. There aren't many... I mean, he's, not, he's, not, he's a new player for the U.S. He's a new player for the U.S. in the World Cup. Not, and, I mean, not, and he's a very experienced wonder man, but he's stepped into a new level at a big time. And Klinsman is the guy who brought him in. And... Yeah. Okay. Has really, has really found him his place. Yes, in the found team. him his place in the team. So it's a. I, I see. The, I see him. He's certainly a player who we haven't spoken about before as being a star on this team. And I think that this is the emergence of a new star in Jermaine Jones. And there aren't many footballers in the world like Jermaine Jones. He's a player who is a fantastic uh, defensive midfielder. We obviously see that he can score goals. He's he's getting into the box. He's starting to play a lot more box to box, and that's that's really amazing for the U.S. Physically strong, he's a great athlete. He's got a mind on him. It's really very good. I think also a guy that who deserves a huge amount of credit for his performance last night is Carl Beckerman. You know, he does a lot of the uh, unglamorous work in midfield. I mean, Raul Morelish, who played uh, two or three seasons at my beloved Chelsea Football Club, he is a hard man. I mean, he is a genuine, full-on, hard central midfielder. When he went down after that challenge, clutching his beard, I know we joked, oh, he dislocated his beard. He's not a guy who goes down easily. That was a message sending tackle from Carl Beckham. Born in Crofton, Maryland, oh, that tackle. Oh, my God. Here's a message-sending tackle. And he just, all night, I thought Beckerman was absolutely fantastic. And some of the uh, more established U.S. stars, I think we talked about Fabian Johnson, how great he was, but Beasley has had an amazing World Cup so far. It's looked so good on the left. Um, some of the more established stars, certainly Michael Bradley, has had two not-great games. And uh, Tim Howard, though not at fault for either goal. Tim Howard, who is a leader on this team, has looked a little bit shaky here and there. He has that amazing quality of bounce-back ability where after making a mistake, he seems to instantly be able to turn around and make a wonder save. Um, But certainly it's not been the established guard. Dempsey has played great. Dempsey has arrived to play at this World Cup. But it's not been the established players who've really been uh, starring in these games. And that's very, very good for the U.S. as far as I'm concerned. On the Michael Bradley thing, I've been pretty vocal about this because he has taken a lot of flack. Yeah. Uh, I just say leave him alone. Leave him alone. It's what Sven-Goran Eriksson said about Wayne Rooney after the 2006 World Cup. He said Uh his last words were, leave Wayne alone, England. You will need him. England yeah. didn't leave Wayne alone. They've consistently tussled. Well, and they still go after him. But leave Michael Bradley alone. I mean, Michael Bradley, a lot of new American football fans whose uh, kind of U.S. soccer jersey for $90 is still fresh, probably tags on that child's pajama top. They've heard a lot about Michael. He's the best player on the team. They've seen two games where he's not really had the dominant game that we've we've been sold uh, the honest truth is we got here mostly because of him, not just on the field, but he is the cohesive pole around which the, the rest of the team He's orbit. the battery. And I feel almost he's taken too much on himself. He always has two roles going forward, but he's also trying to race back in the heat, the Manaus, the, the Natal. I th- he's almost overrolled, Davo. Um, and I think there needs to be some... He's taking too much on himself. His passes are too rushed. He's clipping passes out that he normally would. They're just completely um, mishitting them. Uh, it's almost like there's too, putting too much pressure on himself. He said to me, uh, as part of the Inside Series before he left, this is a World Cup of suffering. We want to be the team that can suffer the most. That Those words seem a little bit different now after those first two games. But they are going to suffer, Dave. They are going to suffer. They have... 
very little time to rebound from a game which will have sapped their energy physically, which will have sapped their uh, kind of physical reserves. They now have to rebound Germany, who they face um, in the heat of Recife, have had one extra day to kind of recover. It's a massive challenge anyway. No sleep till Recife. They, Germany have the deepest squad. Uh, they have looked menacing. Um, they, they conjure in a, a remarkable threat. That's even before you get to the Jürgen and Germany issues. Portugal was so poor. Germany will not be. Um, Portugal were poor, Rog. And we should say, what on earth is going on with Cristiano Ronaldo? I mean, we did the, the thing for Sportsman Centre, the five reasons that we're obsessed with Ronaldo and we're all talking about him. I mean, I've got to tell you, apart from the final ball, which was beautiful, um, he was strangely absent in that game. I'm not sure I've seen Cristiano Ronaldo in a game in the last two years, maybe even ever, where I've seen him be that absent. I can't remember thinking. He's just strolling around. He doesn't seem to be able to do anything spectacular. He had a couple of moves and dance moves in the in the first half, but a very very strange performance by him. By the whole team, also tactically, Fabian Johnson bombed up and down the wing because yeah. the Portuguese allowed him and never then tactically recalibrated to prevent well, him. Well, Ronaldo was clearly not defending. So it was a very odd, um, a very very odd game from the Portuguese, and now we face a mental challenge as well as a physical one. Teams that leave Manaus are zero and four in the wake of leaving Manaus. That's amazing, um, which is a frightening statistic. So I, I, I asked Roberto Martinez, um, and he said the challenge to the U.S. is all mental. He said yeah. they're the, Roberto. Good news. He said they're the fittest team in the World Cup. But he said, Jürgen Klinsmann's problems are all mental. This is a young team. It's not used to the massive, massive letdown, um, which they've just experienced, which he compared to falling off a cliff. Um, and he said, you know, you feel like you've got the points. Now you don't have the points. It's critical. Jürgen focuses on the positive, makes clear to them what they have achieved rather than what they've lost. There's no coach who's more positive, who's more kind of optimistic, who's more buoyant than Jürgen. How do you see the mental, physical kind of challenge that? Uh, <clears throat> look, I mean, I think the mental strength of the US is, is fun. I think they're also I've, you know, through successive World Cups, 2002, 2006, uh, I think you could say that they were the fittest teams in the tournament. Not sure about 2010. I wasn't there, but certainly saw them live in 2002, 2006. Nobody could run like the U.S. in those two tournaments. So they've always had the physical strength. But I think mental strength is one of the great things that separates American athletes. A lack of self-doubt and a, an ability to push through, an ability to always think when they go a goal down, we can get that goal back. We can win this game. We can go ahead. We can go through. Um, so I think they have phenomenal mental strength. I think there are some big matchup concerns against Germany and I think one thing I'd say about Michael Bradley, and I'm look, I don't know anywhere near enough about football to question Jurgen Klinsmann. And I think that what Jurgen has proven to us is he's finally, he's been saying for years, he's going to have this team play a different way. And certainly going forward, the United States are starting to play a different kind of football than we saw. We certainly saw that against Portugal. But I think the one thing, this is a question I have for myself when I'm watching Michael Bradley, is I believe that Michael Bradley... Most of the great performances I've seen Michael Bradley give are playing in defensive midfield. And he has surprised me in how well he has played when he's played as the advanced midfield at the tip of the diamond, which, which Jürgen is trying to play. I feel in the first two games that Michael Bradley is a little bit doing both. 
I think he's both at the, tip, he's at the tip of the diamond and he's getting back in holding midfield. And I think it's a bit of a... He's caught between two spaces. It's like when Lampard and Gerrard used to play with each other and they never knew who was going to be forward and who was going to be he's back. He's caught between himself. Yeah. Caught between the two sides of his personality, the defensive and the offensive. I think that they've got to decide against Germany where you have to be incisive. If you're not incisive against Germany, you're not going to get forward. You're not going to beat that goalkeeper and you're not going to keep them out at the back. You've got to be incisive and you've got to be decisive and you've got to be quick. And it just sometimes feels a little bit plodding in the middle, a little bit indecisive. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree. I mean, Jürgen said to me in Jacksonville, the last time I sat down with him before they went off to Brazil, he said, look, I think we can do this. What it's going to take is two things. The players have to have the confidence that they can take the field against these big sides. He meant Ghana, Portugal, um, and Germany. They were all big in his mind. Yeah. They have to take the field and believe they can win. They have to have that well, confidence. Well, they've certainly had that so far. They've had that. Yeah. Absolutely and completely. He has instilled, he's inculcated that confidence. He said the second thing is critical. Can they maintain their focus for an entire 90 minutes? Which they haven't done so which far. Which they haven't done at all. They switch off. They did it for 90 minutes last night. Unfortunately, that did not <laughs> include the first five uh, and the final five. And if you switch off against Germany, we will be absolutely one. and completely punished. There's a lot of talk about Jürgen and uh, Yogi. Jürgen taught Yogi all he knew about coaching and nose-picking. <laughs> Is it? Are they going to do a handshake? Is it going to be like West Germany and Austria in 1982, where they both... West Germany needed a win in the group stage to advance. Uh, Austria was in. Klinsmann and, will sing and both anthems. If they drew... Um, and the Algerian fans who would have got through howled p- passively in the in the crowd, burning money as they watched the uh, Germans score, and then Austria and Germany just knocked the ball around the middle of the field. They're saying, that will happen again. There'll be a German kind of handshake. I'll be honest, being in Germany with the US team, there's a feeling that the Germans would like nothing more than to pull down Jürgen's pants and give him a bare-bottom spanking yep. with this new US team. It's very weird for them to have a German manager speak German to them, sing the German national anthem while wearing the U.S. top with his U.S. charges and his U.S. Uh, many, many of the, the team are actually German. And I think Jürgen and Yogi will probably, it's a bit like the, the brothers almost, but one wants to prove the other one's Frido and that he's Michael. Yeah. Everyone, no one wants to be Frido, David. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be. Um, and the price, you know, here, the, the stakes, Rog. Yes, a draw will be enough to go and take the U.S. through. There are some losses if they can lose by uh, very few goals and the other game is a draw or if the other game is, is a very uh, narrow victory, especially if it's a narrow victory for Ghana. A loss could even take them through. But I, w- I know some people like find it amusing when Jürgen says that we're going to go in this and we're going to aim to win this match and we're going to win this match. Um, I think that that is actually what the U.S. need to go in and do because I don't think the US want to play the winner of group <laughs> H in the next round. I don't I think the Belgium is a is a is another very poor matchup in an elimination game um, for for the US. I think and obviously there's a significant step down in that group to I mean one assumes, you know, based on form that it'll be Algeria and goal difference, but it might not be. It could be um, Russia could end up beating them and skinning them. South Korea could end up beating Belgium and it could end up being one of those teams. But I think you'd much rather play Algeria, South Korea or Russia than you'd play Belgium in the last 16. Uh, I've been reading a lot while I've been here. I I read 
Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. I've been reading that. I've read The Boys from Brazil twice. Yeah. The, the movie that terrified me. No wonder you're so tired. You've been six. doing too much reading, Roger. Um, I, I just read the Inglorious Bastards mm-hmm. uh, screenplay <laughs> to prepare for this game, David. Can you read that for me? I love that film, by the way. And the German won't not be able to help themselves but to imagine the cruelty their brothers endured at our hands and our boot heels and the edge of our knives and the German will be sickened by us and the German will talk about us and the German will fear us and when the German closes their eyes at night and they're tortured by their subconscious for the evil they have done it will be with thoughts of us they are tortured with sound good that's Brad Pitt yeah, that's Brad Pitt. If I were given the team talk, David, that's if what I were given do. the team talk before this game, yeah, that is absolutely what I'd do. As they say in Germany, the road is long with many a winding turn that leads us to who knows where, who knows when. But I'm strong, strong enough to carry him. He ain't heavy. He's my brooder. Can I ask one last question about this? Yeah. What are those of us who believe in lucky outfits to make of the last game? I, I my, do I wear my lucky undies and my lucky socks? Don't yeah. You? Do you wear your lucky tie? Yeah. Do, do, do I get Fowdy to come back and sit by me we in a lucky We definitely get Fowdy to get back and sit in the lucky seat. Fowdy, Fowdy good. In Super that Julie Fowdy left us where she was sitting when it was lucky. And I must admit that I did wear, even though I wore no socks again, I didn't wear the same shoes with no socks that I wore for the first game, so I need to go and put but back on. what I'm on. saying is I wore my lucky socks yeah. from Sienna. Yeah. They're long and it's bloody hot, but I wore them anyway. It wasn't anything to do with the socks, Rod. Do it, but... but it's something else. That you, there's something else that you it, wore or did that day did I help that them worked get on the first two, day. Did I want to get to 2-2, or did my socks actually curse them and this for and they're longer lucky? Well, that's a very good question, is were they lucky to get... Did they give them the luck Can to I get, get to 2-2? Who, who from? We got a set blatter. We talked about the FIFA Transparent. anthem. Transparent, yeah. The FIFA cut of the Belgium Russia game went straight from the FIFA anthem to the shot of Christ the Redeemer, straight to a shot of adoring fans clapping, straight to a shot of set blatter sitting in the stands. Surely some coincidence. Amazing Hollywood scenatics. Mise on FIFA do a lot of things. Wonderfully, but me's on scene. They cannot be topped, Davo. They yeah. cannot be topped. GFOPs tweet us at Men in Blazers, mm-hmm. at Rog Bennett, at Embassy Davis, and tell us what the hell I should do with the socks yeah. before I don't Thursday. Know. That's a very Please, good question. Please, let's talk about something that will make me feel better, Davo, than yeah. talking about the US. Your complex relationship with believe, the England national team. In whom team. I do believe, in who I do believe. I believe we will get. Here's what I'm hoping for and praying for a, a Portuguese win. That's what I'm hoping for, and then everything becomes moot, even though my heart tells me Ghana are going to do them. But go on. Let's talk about England. makes me always feel better. But, Ross, be careful, because a Portuguese win doesn't necessarily mean the U.S. goes through. If it's tight. If Portugal can overcome that goal difference. It's amazing. Even with lopsided uh, goal difference of, uh, I believe, Portugal's goal difference right now is minus, uh, it's either minus two or minus three. Uh, I believe it's minus, it could be minus four, their goal difference. And the U.S. is plus one. Even with five goals between them, it can change. It can change very, very quickly. England. Um, yeah. It's got to this. Costa Rica are going to yeah. rest their best players to face us. They yeah. England are going to play all the players who haven't played so far. Lampard is going to captain. Gerard isn't going to play. The kids are going to play Luke Shaw. Phil Jones, Chris Smalling, doesn't that make you feel good, Rog? 
The, the uh, game probably will have taken place by the time most people listen to this. So th- the constructive question I've got for you, and we began yeah. to talk about this at Shirley's, yeah. which is you see France charging forward, Davey, joyously. Yeah. You see the Netherlands, 16.4 million people. Yeah. Kind of Illinois-sized. Uh-huh. You see Costa Rica, 4.8 million people, Alabama-sized. Yeah. You see Uruguay, 3.4 million people, smaller than Connecticut, the great state with Bristol, that hubbing <laughs> nipple in the middle of the state. Yeah. They're all doing bloody good, Davo. Mm-hmm. They love it. They love the World Cup. They're able to arrive, charge into it, and slay all opposing teams. England, mighty England, 53 million people. Yeah. Not so much. Over and over again now. I mean, when we look at our great footballing tradition, 1966, about as close to us as like 1920-something was in 1966. Yeah. How do we succinctly, a couple of ways each, David, how do we fix this thing? Because it's awful to see it over and over and over again at this point. A great World Cup. A great World Cup, Dave. We've had so few in our lifetimes. Yeah. You know, it came out today, the goals scored in the um, in the World Cup so far. Premier League, by the way, leading the World Cup in goals scored mm-hmm. over La Liga, over the Bundesliga, over everything. MLS, even, even and MLS. Even which, MLS has just four goals, but bloody yeah. hell, they're beautiful. Yeah, Big goals. Even and MLS. Big goals. Um, look, I think that there is a tendency. This will amaze you, Rog. But there is a tendency on everybody's part to overreact to to individual games. The reality is that England lost two games, two to one. At times they look very good, particularly against Italy. They look very, very good. Look much less good against Uruguay, but still lost a tight game to a team that I don't think anybody's embarrassed. I don't think anybody's shocked that in a single game they go and lose to. The issue here isn't really about this performance at this World Cup. I think the issue is about the long the long story of it. I do believe that in 2002, and even though I've been widely derided for saying it, I think England came very close. And I was at Shizuoka that day when they lost to Brazil. They were 1-0 up. And they just... A couple of things happened in that game. Beckham jumped out of a tackle. He was injured, didn't want to hurt himself. And then the second goal, that just freak Ronaldinho free kick and David Seaman just panicking going backwards to go and do it. I think England came very close that day. And I think that team were better than most people gave them credit for because they had real finishers, real goal scorers, people who do it. Yes, they didn't play the most attractive football in the world, but I personally don't care about playing the most attractive football in the world. I don't think England have created those players historically, and I don't believe that we will create many of them. And as many Sterlings, as many Sturridges that we create... What we're really good at milking over the course of a long history in England is really good centre-backs, hard midfielders, and people who physically get up there and play the game. And England have had some success, last 16, quarter-finals, getting out of the knockout stages of these tournaments. I think Paul Carr came in and blew our mind earlier, saying that this is Mexico, by doing this, this is their sixth consecutive World Cup, where they've managed to go into the a knockout stage. Only two other teams have done it, Brazil and one other. Was it Germany? to go and do it. Yep. Until this World Cup, England were the other team that had managed to go and do yeah, it. Yeah, by the way, interestingly about that, we we've, we're, we're, we are a small dog that has lulled itself into thinking it's a big dog. We believe we're like Brazil. We believe we're Argentina. I mean, we're the kings of comedy. England, the Rupert Pupkin. We're, we're Sweden. We are Mexico. 
If you look at our World Cup record since 1970. And it's funny, I, I think we've been a little bit better than Sweden and Mexico. But only if you don't believe in France. Well, Sweden aren't even at this World Cup. Yeah, but they, that's but the, this World Cup. I've said since 1970, David. Okay. Okay, so you have to, it's, it's a wonderful thing to do in research. It's to take away to, to start the year after we won it. But it's a... Um, it's a, a, I think England, a but, I, but the first time you said that to me, all I'm trying to say is cool. the first time you said that to me, the first time you said that to me, I took, I took issue with sample. it. But what I would say is I'm okay with being as good as Mexico. I'm okay with being as good as Mexico. I have said, and I've agreed with you, that the US will win the World Cup before England win the World Cup again. I absolutely believe that. But I do desire that England get out of the group stage at the World Cup. And I believe that pressed by a media who said, just bring all the kids. Let us lose on penalties. And pressed by a revolution and an insane decision where defensive units play together. We had a chance of playing three of the best defenders in the Premier League together, even though you might think they're twats. We had a chance of playing Cahill and Terry and Ashley Cole together in the back line, who were the best, uh, certainly two of them were the best defensive unit in the Premier League this year. We didn't. We decided to go and do it and to put all the kids in. As Alan Hansen has written, you don't win just with kids. There's nobody here at the World Cup winning with the kids. Nobody is winning with the kids. And ultimately, I do think that the benefit of having lost is that there are some kids who have been blooded. I think it will change some things. I think this is a shock for England to go out before the end of the group stage. I think it's a shock. I think this is going to change some things. And I think we've got some good young players to go and do it. Is it going to ultimately change the tide of history? Is England going to overnight or even in four years' time or eight years' time, Rog, ever be West Germany, Spain, Holland, the great countries in the history of the World Cup? I don't think they're going to ever be that. Will we see England come back to a World Cup and get out of the group stage and go into the knockout stage and break our hearts on penalties again? Yes. Okay. Great World Cup teams. Uruguay, Costa Rica doing very, very well. What's fascinating, and we'll chat about Costa Rica, is that it's about team spirit. It's about team spirit. And the two ways I think about changing this bloody team, because I'm sick. I'm sick of watching the same crap and the same excuses and the same dash This wasn't the same crap, though. This was the, this was the change that David, everybody... David, Rog, I'm not trying I, to we, defend this team. Don't put me in a position we, of me being defending and doing the youngs and the old. I've dealt, but, I, I agree okay, and respect that. this is that, what the media said. Again. Change and only bring we the kids. We failed again. I we have it. failed okay. miserably again. The big picture is exactly the same. And there's two things. First, what, the one's a bit technical. There's a football association that's like US soccer. It's yeah. called the, the FA, the Football Association. It is a culture of greed and freeloaders and short-sightedness and no strategy. Awful people. Awful, awful. Each time they replace somebody, it's just this, it's so thick with hangers-oners uh, and clinger-oners and just people looking to absolutely freeload around the glamorous culture of football. There's no, no evidence of any strategy, no evidence of any ideas, no evidence of anything that's long-term. And until that is cleaned up, all of this stuff becomes absolutely moot. But the second thing is far more theoretical and, frankly, sadder to me. And this is where I'm really appalled. Although the one thing, I just have to say on that, and I agree, I, I can't stand I I know these people in the football station. I've sat next to them. I, I find them appalling. But do you really believe the football associations of, any, of many of these countries are run by people who aren't on the same freeloading, the same people out of touch? I think every nation has an issue with their football association. The, the football, I don't association, think that's the football association has no brain. Absolutely no brain at any level. Not unique to England. Okay. The second thing that needs to happen, and this is not going to happen, and this is what makes me saddest, 
is you see Luis Suarez pull on the Uruguayan jersey. Yeah. And you see his team pull on the Uruguayan jersey, and they feel super-powered by pulling it on. It feels special to them. You see the Dutch team enjoy themselves, savor being here, and it looks like they're having a... You see the Belgian team after they beat Russia, and they ran to their fans, and it was a giddy, authentic, wonderful interaction. Absolute joy. These were gents who knew how special... It was to be here, and their accomplishment together was something they'd remember their whole lives. Mm -hmm. You watch these England blokes pull on the jersey. It's fear. It's terror. It's, I mean, it's, um, we, we were chatting to, to Balak. He was talking about that jersey. These guys are so terrified of what that tabloid press will do to them that they just want to get the heck off the field. But that, it's more than that. It's that there's very little that's English. We laugh about Alexi saying it's great American victory. Everything to do with England. There's not a lot to feel proud of in England. The people who feel proud of pulling on the English jersey are very middle-class rugby players. They feel the true joy and tradition of England. There's so much self-loathing in England right now that until this team can pull on the English jersey and truly feel proud of the history, culture, identity... That, that And a wonderful identity, a multicultural, flexible, dynamic, new English identity, which actually, funnily enough, this team does now represent, until they truly feel like you watch them sing the anthem, they're ashamed. I mean, the Queen, God, England, all difficult concepts for them to get behind, probably, many of them. And and that, that that's the sad truth, is that many of the teams that do well, Costa Rica, Uruguay, are super-powered by coming together as an all-star team to represent their nation and the people at home in Montevideo. These people, the, the English guys, just look like they do not want to be there for, for, for complex reasons. I wouldn't simplify it, but the chorus one is the notion of being proud in England is a very complicated and difficult thing, and that makes me very sad. I think it is changing, and I think some of it is changing because of the multicultural traditions you're talking about. England's getting better at sport. You know, certainly the Olympics, we achieved, overachieved what I think most observers thought we could possibly do there. Yes, nearly all of those were much more middle-class sports. Um, less coming out of you've the... You've got a joke about what we do well in. And we do very well in the sitting down sports. We do well at rowing and, and cycling <laughs> and uh, anything Skeletal. where we can sit down. We do ske- well, that's lying down yeah. rather than sitting down. Lying down even But better. we like sitting, bi- bicycle racing. We love bicycle racing. Um, so we're very good at that. I, you know what? I don't completely... Rog, I know that you, on this, you sort of feel that like I have nothing relevant to say whatsoever, that I'm blind to it and that I just love England too much. But it's still my country. I still believe in it. I think it's much easier when you're winning. It's much easier to be happy. It's much easier to look like you're enjoying yourselves when you're winning. I don't want to see people having fun when they're losing. And by the way, some teams have to lose at this World Cup. Only 16 teams go through. Only half the teams go through. And 16 of them will be widely criticized. France went out the, at the group stage last year. Italy went out at the group stage four years ago. It happened. Spain, magical Spain. The Spain who we've been told to emulate the entire world's football should change themselves and be like Spain. Spain have gone home. Fernando Torres has got his goal. <laughs> He's got his goal. It's okay. So they're going. I don't think it's so much doom and gloom for England. I think there is some hope for them. And I think count them out at your peril. It's amazing what football will do. Football will turn around and everything you assume. There is no one in the world, Rog, who called this World Cup. People made some individual bets. You made your bet on um, on the U.S. getting the win against Ghana and getting the tie against Portugal. You were right. Somebody somewhere said that Costa Rica were going to be very good. You actually at some point said World that Costa Cup Rica were going to be Concacaf, very good. Concacaf, but thunder. no one had the combination of this World Cup of everything that happens. All of these countries are changing. Football, global football, is changing so much. 
what it really takes to make a difference as we're seeing. Yes, teams like Costa Rica can come together and play very well. Do I see Costa Rica proceeding to the final of this tournament and winning it? I don't. On the whole, it's star players. It's exceptional star players who can go and break it down. It's just a funny thing about birth. It's how Andy Murray comes out of Scotland. Who could ever have imagined that the best British tennis player in 100 years would come out of Scotland? It just happens. Some people are born, and they are born to go and play this sport, and someone recognises them. David turns around right to me today, and, and he goes, why can't we do the UK? Why can't it be <laughs> We the should UK? be GBR. Then we could have had Gareth Bale. We could have had Giggsy. We could have had a bunch of uh, much, better, uh, much better footballs. George Best might have played. He'll be played the United Kingdom. Um, Although most likely it would be GBR. Who knows? I'm still, uh, I'm still hopeful. I'm looking forward to this game tomorrow. I'm interested to see the kids play. Okay, Rod, some of the other amazing performances. Um, <laughs> Costa Rica, we've just mentioned. CONCACAF Thunder. The World Cup of CONCACAF. Mexico being one of the most heartwarming stories of this World Cup, Rod. Costa Rica, their dream of reaching the quarterfinals for the first time. Yeah. And trumping the feet of their 1990 World Cup team when they yeah. were second rounders. To me, Davo, mm-hmm. watching that team play, thrilling. I said they'd beat England. Mm-hmm. They may or may not. They don't have to now. But to me, it's a very important lesson about this World Cup. It's not like watching league teams in the English Premier League or, or in the La Liga where they can buy and sell players, assemble the greatest team. These are all-star teams. They, they've really barely played together before they get to the, the field, some of these combinations on the field. Mm-hmm. And you watch Costa Rica play, and you realize in this World Cup, it's not about the big names. It's not about the big egos. It's not as much about the star power. Although I've got to say, watching Lionel Messi deliver a win in a slightly awkward way, but ultimately triumphant way for Argentina. Watching Neymar deliver today. For, for a Brazil that was nervosa ahead of that game. Superstars, Ronaldo aside, doing quite well. Interesting the way this is going down um, for those teams. But this Costa Rica story is a lesson about the World Cup. Teams that do well, they're all about the power of the collective and team play. Stars often don't fit into that team play. You said to me, you'd like an England team that is no longer just about picking the best players in England, but they're picking the most cohesive team that makes sense as a collective. I think the problem is there's no way, I thought, I've reflected on that having said it, there's no way to really test that because the team don't play enough games to ever go and test it. And the way that European qualification works, it's very disadvantageous to experimentation to go and get there. I do think that the wonderful thing about CONCACAF, Rog, is that many people around the world sort of laugh at the CONCACAF qualification and the fact that you know, three and a half teams make yeah. it out of the hex. The hex is actually a great advantage. It's crucible. Yeah, you really forge your team. You're not, certainly if you're Mexico, the US, you're not that worried about not qualifying. Mexico almost didn't make it this year. But going into it, you're not really thinking we're not going to qualify this year. And it forges a team. You play the same teams again and again and again. You're not playing, you know, every single time there's a World Cup group or European qualifier. They're playing completely you're different play, players You're in playing Europe. crap pitches. They've got crap pitches here in Brazil. You're ready. Yeah. You're playing it. Terrible climbs. They've got yeah. terrible climbs here. No, there's it's great preparation. Travel, gruelling travel. In South they've American got it here. Cup. That's why these guys have got a built-in advantage. Love thyself, CONCACAF. Love yeah. thyself. We hate ourselves. Love thyself. You used to just be about brown envelopes, corruption, yeah. absolute shenanigans. Now you're about all of that and some bloody successful football, including Graham Zuzzi's Mexico Day. Yeah. We have loved them. Yeah, well, mostly because of Miguel Herrera. But they've Com- also comedy's played Miguel comedy's Herrera. Miguel Herrera. He's wet, he's dry, he's hot, he celebrates. He's hallucinatory. His people Herrera. love him, Rog. 
Give us Herrera or give us death. We absolutely adore this man. Said today in the boot room, if I had to answer the Financial Times question, which they asked writers, who would you like to be trapped in an elevator with? Before this, I'd always say Dana Plato. They normally you do pick kind of like the your heartthrob, your, 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 your woman from Emily or whoever is your heartthrob. Yeah. Now, 100% wet Herrera, dry Herrera, today yeah. hot Herrera. Yeah. Who would you want to be trapped in an elevator with? I don't know. You, Roger. You already asked me that question once today. I already said you once. That's because so, you know I can fix elevators. <laughs> you're very handy. I know you're not handy. You told me <laughs> when we walked past the hardware store how unhandy you are. So I also think that shouldn't distract from how well Mexico have played, you know, and especially considering how poor they've been for the last couple of years since the Olympics. Um, in qualifying, they were awful. Um, but, you know, this guy's really brought the team together. How often have you seen a goalkeeper run from the halfway line to go and celebrate that's, you know, a second goal? Oh, it's amazing. It was amazing. We nine, what was the rating? 9.1 rating. Overnight. For the Portugal-US game. That'll be about Dave, 16 million. Dave and I have tell, are telling Hispanic. everyone at ESPN that if you, for the Mexico game against Holland, yeah. if you focus a single camera just on wet Herrera yeah. the whole game, You'll do NFL numbers that will yeah. make the Portugal-US game seem tiny in comparison, right? Yeah, I think so. France have impressed everyone, Ronge. Have impressed us. We're going to go and see them play Ecuador uh, on Wednesday. Going to see that game. Um, interesting to see France play. No one really talking about France coming in. Yes, critics are saying that they've had two fairly easy games. They've had a very easy group and they're actually not that good. But they're certainly playing dynamic football. We've never questioned that they don't have great individual footballers. We've questioned whether they could come together as a team, as an equipe, Rog. And they certainly have. Uh, they're playing football even Samir Nasri's girlfriend could love. Yeah. The thing we love about them. Yeah. We love the, the Petit Velho. Yeah, Valbueni. We love him. We absolutely love him. The tiny, tiny, tiny little man. He claims to be five foot six. Oh, he's no he way claims five to foot be six. Five. He is minute. We love Valbuena. how he... As a small comes together and combines with the tools. Because that's what's important. You've got to get your players of different body shapes to play together. We had um, uh, Ndamako, uh, Ndamako uh, Su. The Ndamakong Su. We had real troubles with his name, Roger. We had Ndamakong Su come in here, come into Bobby's panic room. And we said to him, isn't the secret of soccer getting people of different body shapes to go and play together? He said, you're absolutely right. Well, yeah, but the problem with him in our panic room, and yeah. if you look on Instagram, he doesn't on fit. Men in Blazers, talk about... Talk about tools. We could barely get the blade. We had to wedge yeah. him in with a shoehorn. He's agreed to come on a future podcast. He, he really loves, knows his football. Loves, loves, loves Arsenal. Arsenal fan. I will say about Valbuena, watching him and Giroud. Yeah. When Giroud buccaneered up the field. Yeah, tall, six foot four. Like no Frenchman ever attacking people like no Frenchman ever. Perfect hair. Down the flank. Mm-hmm. And then to watch the little petit velo. How are tall's legs? Long, beautiful, graceful stride. And then you look at Valbuena's legs. They're like running in fast motion, like they've been sped up in like the French Connection kind of car chase. It's well, truly amazing. Well, you walked very quickly somewhere with one of your children, Rog. And when you walk very quickly with one of your children, every few steps or so, they have to run a little bit to catch up. It That's is how eerie to me. It. it is eerie to me to see a French team that clearly like yeah. each other. And I'd say another World Cup rule: yeah. there's often a team that menaces every opponent in the opening round, and then like the the kind of. The Bedouin in the Raiders of Lost Ark who does the sword dancing and then just gets shot. Well, do we really know how good anybody is at this point? Harrison Ford. 
That can happen. We it used to always happen to the Spanish. Please, God, let it happen to the French again. We don't know how good they are. We don't are. know. We this, don't know. This World Cup, we have no idea. We yeah. have no idea how these weight classes coming out of the different groups yeah. match up. We've got some tasty clashes. The Dutch, though, Davo. Yeah. They do seem to be enjoying themselves. They are. But they had some problems against Australia, Rog. Everybody seems to not want to talk about the Australia game, but they had some problems against Australia. Van Gaal is an interesting guy because he's, unlike a coach like Herrera, you sort of feel like people are terrified of Van Gaal, that that's sort of how he gets his performance out of his players. Um, his hair seems terrified to be on his head, or at least very surprised to be on top of his head. Um, but they're playing great, but they have two star players in Van Persie, uh, who didn't play today, but Van Persie and uh, Arjen Robin, Arjen Robin, um, and those star players are making a huge difference. I do think that Robin has been the best player so far in the World Cup. Yes, he's unlikely to win the Golden Boot. Um, he uh, he does have just that one go-to move, although he has gone wide a lot more. He seems to be cutting inside to the a little bit he less. He listens to our show. Uh, Rod, the dodgy flap is still going, but he seems to be cutting inside uh, less. Still waiting for Belgium to erupt a little, Rod. Still waiting to see them. I still have big question marks about Argentina and Brazil. Even after this big victory today for Brazil, Huge I still questions have about question Brazil. marks about Huge Brazil. Huge questions about Brazil. Um, so, and I saw power rankings coming out of the UK papers today, and Argentina is still number one, and I'm not sure that they've really impressed yet, They've Rog. got some tweaking and some recalibration to do in terms of their balance. I think Chile have been back. the best team we've seen in South America. You never want to have to tweak and recalibrate. We will see. And we then will Chile see. got a little burnished today uh, by It is the World Holland. Cup of uncertainty, the World Cup of parity, yeah. and the World Cup where one of these previously called minnows is going to yeah. be able to hurt a number of big teams. As Jürgen would say, they're going to make some music with yeah. the big boys. Why can't it be the USA? Yeah. Uh, Rog, so uh, Ravens, Toucans, thanks so much for everybody for getting in touch with us down here. All of your massive, massive, massive traffic. All of your tweets and Instagram comments and uh, and emails have meant the world to us. It's been a huge volume. Going. We're sorry we haven't been able to get back to all of you. Um, it's been bananas. It's been tiny bananas, tiny down bananas. Here the whole time. Davo, my daughter will be watching US Germany with her German cousins. Think Fabian, Timmy Chandler, in Munster Square this week. What advice do you have on how she should rock the US colours in the face of the Teutons? Oh, Davo. I've got to tell you, England, Ireland played 1990. Mm-hmm. And in those days, I used to hitchhike everywhere. And yeah. I decided to hitch up to your neck of the woods, Edinburgh University. Yeah. And I watched that game. England playing Ireland in Pollock Hall, if you remember that. Yeah, I lived there for six Huge, weeks. huge, huge television room. Probably a thousand people in there watching it. Yeah. England scored really, really early. Gary Lineker, I think yeah. he scored in the eighth minute. Mm-hmm. And I was with a mate of mine who I'd hitched up with. <laughs> and we both leapt up. We went, whoa! And we were the only two in a room of about a thousand people, mostly Scottish, who just turned around quietly and then through about 8,000 beer cans, some, most of them full in our direction. We got absolutely canned, absolutely battered. So I'm just raising this, Alan Cannon, for your daughter, the rocking one, the US colours in the face of the Tutans. How would you recommend it, David? Because I've just been reading Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, and I know the Germans are very real about stuff. I think it's okay when you are, you know, 
a casual soccer fan of a club and you're caught in the middle of one of your rival club cities and you are watching a game and you're surrounded by uh, fans of that opposing club and if you perhaps conceal your identity a little the colours and who you're rooting for and under your breath you're sort of like cheering for them I think that's okay I think for your country you actually have to and I think you will regret for the rest of your life if you don't support your country even if it's unpopular in Munster Square this is going to be very very probably politically incorrect I wouldn't be allowed to say this on a boot room show on ESPN Rog but I can say it on this podcast (laughs) remind your daughter of how amazingly the US treated Germany after World War II the Marshall Plan the way we rebuilt that country the civility with which we dealt with that population. Germany, just as the rest of Europe, should thank the U.S. for liberating them. Germany should thank the U.S. for just their treatment of Germany, their rebuilding of Germany after the war. So you know what? Your daughter should be proud. She should wear her colors. She should cheer for her team. And if anybody tries to take her on, We'll be over there, Rog. Where are, tell her to print a special one up with Bertie Vokes' name on the back. Yeah, that would be good. My, my advice would be slightly different. I would yeah. tell your daughter to read a lot of Le Carre on yeah. the plane over and act like George Smiley. Just poison there, darts. Deep He's saying undercover. poison darts. Deep undercover, David. That's no, wear it with pride. Wear it with pride. Um, from Brian Bleck, dear sirs, I feel compelled to bring something to your attention. Bob Lay's Panic Room, henceforth BLPR, has five false bookcases. How dare you? Let us set aside the glorious image of Bob Lay sitting down to enjoy a good novel whilst in a state of panic. Only four of the five false bookcases are unique, which begs the question... I haven't even noticed that. Is that true? Someone that's gone through. One, well, two, three. Only four of the five bookcases are unique. A couple of them I looked, I checked after getting this raven. Which begs the question, a with such limited space in BLPR, why exhaust a full 20% of the fake shelf space with duplicate... <laughs> books. Yours sincerely, Brian Blake. I think this is what I'd have to say. Brian Blake, you are just an amazing human being. I have made television programs and digital content where where uh, hours and hours, sometimes weeks of thought has gone into what the set would look like. Designs get transmitted forth, set designers are involved, executives, producers, networks, And people just labor over, they look at the position of the camera, they build sort of 3D models, they just figure out every detail. Absolutely none of that happened in this room. (laughs) This will not shock you. They literally built a voiceover room. This is a voiceover room that we're in. It's probably why the audio sounds quite good. You keep telling me it's a soundstage. No, it's a voiceover room. You see by all the egg cartons up on the wall. What? It is hot. It is hotter than hot. Yeah, it's hot. And the only way we make it less hot is by turning on an air conditioner, which is so loud that we can't actually broadcast while it's on. And it also then makes the room so cold that we get get sick, we can't deal with it. They then stuck a camera up in the voiceover room. And when we got here, if you remember, if you go back to the earliest uh, uh, vlog in our feed, there was nothing in the background. Nothing. And we had to beg... We had to get all these books ourselves. We collected and each one. Somebody came in and put up that wallpaper. We bought the signs over from the US. Um, we bought our Sabutio table there. We had all the cupcakes made locally. We begged people for headshots. We got a wall it, painted it and we got a Brazilian flag. There's a huge set which you see every day. Yeah. 
overlooking the beautiful bay of Copacabana. Yeah. We don't even have a window. No, we don't. We don't have no window. We don't have a window. But we love it. What we we do love it. We but the thing is, love it. it's always too big for us, isn't it, David? Yeah, it's almost too big. In fact, we are going to rebuild it in the crap part of Soho. Yeah, um, literally inch for inch. We love the size of it. We love the proximity. It's actually very difficult to plug anything in. We might make that a little bit more optimal. Yeah, by but we love everything. Plugs. There's a whole amount of wasted space on the other side of this camera, so yeah. my my hand can go forward way beyond the camera. We can e- they can't see the camera. They can even get an audience in here yeah. if we wanted. Oh, you're right. I just demonstrated the camera, and we're not even but shooting that's, this. That's, um, that's the plan. We love this. We have grown to love this format. We have adored being stuck like R. Kelly trapped in the closet. We've realized that's exactly the state that suboptimal creation should come out of. So that's it. The books. We're lucky to have anything, to be quite candid. Yeah, I need to look. I mean, I didn't realize they'd repeated a group of books, but I can't believe that that actually matters. The honest truth is they're all real and they're mostly in Braille, so we can't read or know exactly what they are anyway, David. It's like, where's Waldo? I can't figure out what is uh, repeated. They're all, I think, therefore, a play by Andrea Perle. In fact, the one that is repeated is a mirror image of itself. So it's not identical. Maybe they just, someone put exactly the same books in mirror image. Jambero. another one. Jambero. Jambero. Um, okay, Rog, that's it. Uh, as always, at Embassy Davies, at Rog Bennett, at Men in Blazers. The Instagram is Men in Blazers. The website, meninblazers.com, uh, where we post everything. The, uh, the kids, JW, Lexi, Dana, have been working so hard on that website while we've been gone. Unbelievably Rog. hard. Um, but keep sending us your photoshops, yeah. your ideas. Mm-hmm. Your, I mean, you are hilarious. Things you see in the game. You notice things on the games that we don't see. We are so tired. We are yeah. so exhausted. I got yeah. up at five o'clock this morning to write a piece. Uh, I mean, we've just been working like crazy men. Mm-hmm. It's like being down the World Cup mines in the most wonderful way. It is the most exhausting, mm-hmm. time-consuming, deeply intense... Uh, experience that you could have as a human being but it's made wonderful by every single tweet every single email every single rave and every single token that we get from you that feels like a cuddle this is definitely a tired pod i'd say it's quite an optimistic pod it's a a pod that says treat the game against germany like davo does the rain yeah, you just, you never flinch. You never shirk from the rain, Rog. Stand tall. Stand, stand tall, tall, America. Feel a sense of cautious optimism. Let us not jump on the bandwagon without a sense of fear. I think fear as a football fan is incredibly important. America but has already won at this World Cup, as far as I'm concerned, Rog. America has already won. Belief. Yeah. Courage. Dominate. Those would be my words. And England fans, because I know some of you listen to the pod. It's been horrible. It's been a terrible World Cup. Whatever the result is against Costa Rica, there's no win, Rog. There's no win. If they win, oh, they've beaten a reserve team. If they lose, oh, you can't even beat the reserve team of Costa Rica. There's no win. We need to just get back, get back home and start rebuilding for Euro qualifying. Last word from me. Wet, hot Mexican Herrera. (laughs) Last word from me, Rog. This has been the World Cup of bald men and CONCACAF thunder. Kung Fu fight in America. Love you, David. You too, Rog. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or 
Go to grantland.com and click on podcast.